The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. At times it seems like when you work on your professional career, your personal life seems to fall behind. Then, when you work on improving your personal obligations, the professional part of your life begins to suffer. Is there any way to keep them both humming along at a successful pace? Welcome to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. We'll take the guesswork out of which part of you is more important and show you the success stories of others that can help you realize that you can manage it all. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Hello, and welcome to Master Your Life. I'm Leah Mattinson, and as usual, I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Hey, Leah, how are you? Fantastic. How are you doing today, Howard? Well, pretty good. How was your week? Uh, my week was very interesting <laughs> this week. Um, uh, we're doing a theme of, of life mastery in all sorts of areas. So today I thought I'd take the challenge of trying to record the show from a different location. So I am sitting in Okotoks, Alberta, at kind of a pre-event to the Calgary Stampede. So anybody who is a big rodeo fan will know that the Calgary Stampede is a huge event in North America. And I am sitting here at the Okotoks um, uh, multiplex uh, watching people do cattle penning. <laughs> So uh, the uh, Okotoks Ag Society was fantastic enough to find me a space here and lock all the kids out of the playroom so that so that we could uh, do our show today. And uh, it just reminded me, I guess, of, of a few things in terms of life mastery. Sometimes we don't ask for what we need, so we don't get what we need. Um, but when we do ask for what we need, it's amazing how gracious uh, people are and uh I understand that this week, you, your last week, you had an opportunity to also learn some things about um, um, grace and uh, would love to hear about the training that you were on, Howard. Yeah, it was interesting. I went to an FBI situational awareness uh, meeting set up for people representing houses, houses of worship about how to deal with active shooters. If you're in a situation where somebody pulls out a gun and starts shooting, uh, which, of course, we all hope never happens, but unfortunately we live in a world where that is a possibility. And uh, it was very, very interesting um, seminar, and the core message was to have the right mindset. Um, the FBI guys weren't certainly being critical of people who've been in these situations, but they say what typically characterizes them is people either go into denial and pretend it's not happening or freeze up or become very fatalistic, and they don't really have any plan about how to deal with it. And I, I just thought that was was fascinating, and they were talking about the things that you could do and have a plan and be active and have the right mindset. And of course, that's a very dramatic example, but 
but it's something that I think our guest, Dr. Donald MacArthur, is going to talk about today, not active shooter situations, but having the right mindset about the challenges in life, including getting older. So without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce our wonderful guest today, Dr. Donna MacArthur, who entitled this particular interview, Don't Act Your Age, Three Lessons in Health, Habits, and Happiness. Welcome, Donna. Thank you so much. I'm so excited and happy to be here. You guys sound like you've had uh, a lot going on, quite diverse uh, weeks you've both had, (laughs) one sitting at the Stampede and one in that intense workshop, so good for you. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I, I hope like that, real life. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope there's, I hope there's no risk of Leah being stampeded either by cattle <laughs> or, or or young children that she has displaced uh, to do this interview. So, but you, you, you're prepared, I'm sure, Leah. Right? I am totally prepared. I am totally prepared. So, and I'm also prepared to. Uh, uh, Donna and I have had a chance to chat, and I'm really excited to hear about her. Um, just like the mindset of, of, you know, where things started with you, Donna, in, in figuring out how people can kind of live a different lifestyle. So can you maybe just describe what the term lifestyle medicine means? Sure. Um, it's a fairly new term as far as health sciences go, and it, it's referring to the prevention and treatment of disease that's caused by lifestyle factors. For example, nutrition, physical inactivity, and chronic stress. And I think that what happened, a lot of this stemmed, originally stemmed from, I believe it was a Dutch research project where they looked, they studied identical twins that had been separated at birth. And, I mean, a lot of research has been done subsequently, but this was one of the very first ones. So identical twins have matching DNA. So they, everything physically about them is exactly the same. So the scientists thought that even though they'd been separated at birth, they should still be the same even though they didn't grow up together. And the findings were remarkable in the differences, even right down sometimes to how those people looked, and they, uh, definitely in their, in their pathologies and the diseases that they were pre- uh, presenting. So it kind of spun off from there. And uh, lifestyle medicine uh, basically is promoting healthier lives through healthier choices, such as nutrition, exercise, psychological stuff, social, economic, and environmental. And the reason is because research shows only about 20% of our physiology is genetic, and approximately 80% is environmental, which means it's within our control to a great degree, a lot more than it was previously felt. And, of course, we've learned over the last few years uh, how critical lifestyle factors are in all sorts of diseases that still people think of as really having a genetic base. Uh, I've done some work with neurologists who are looking at lifestyle factors in Alzheimer's, for example, and dementia. I think most people think of dementia as uh, a genetic condition, whereas, in fact, the lifestyle factors seem to be very important. Isn't that right? Yeah, and there's a lot of really cool research coming out about that now. And even, um, you know, they're really showing that a lot of the chronic, the chronic diseases now are, are highly, highly preventable. And it's catching on. You know, I think people are, are really starting to clue into that. 
and I think that's especially exciting news from uh, somebody who has a neurological disease in their family and that I'm very much a huge promoter of exactly this, of just uh, taking control of kind of that epigenetic, the, the environment, so that, so that you can have the best outcomes possible. So I'm just curious, Donna, what do we need to do from your perspective to rewire our brain and their life so that we can be happier? Well, I'll just backtrack a little bit before I answer that question and, and just sort of talk about, um, you know, what I've seen and what kind of brought me to the table here with this um, is I, in my clinical practice, I've, I've seen a huge discrepancy in the way that people age. And then even you're a great example of this, Leah, in the way that people, uh, I'll, say, I'll just use the term, carry their illness you know, carry, mm. carry the, their genetic um, potential or burden. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's, you can see people that really, like you are such a great example, are really rocking it and doing the very best that they can. And other people carry um, just even their age, you know, so heavily. I'll hear people say, well, I'm, I'm 40 now. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, don't, don't even go down that. <laughs> so I started really thinking about that and looking at what the research would show. And it's just like what, what Dr. Rankin and, and what Scott talked about and, and you talked about, Leah, that the research is showing that you can actually make some really, really dramatic changes there. And it shows that we can change how we age, but also how happy we are. We all have what's called a happiness set point, and our happiness set point is kind of like the thermostat on a furnace where we're going to stay within this fairly narrow range of happiness unless we work hard to change that. But research shows there's tons of cool stuff in the field of positivity that shows that there are mm-hmm. things that we can specifically do that will change our happiness set point. And interestingly, those, those things that we, that we need to do are the exact same steps we need to take in our daily life to age better, age with uh, more vibrancy and health, you know, basically have, have, have a much better life. And so one of the pioneers in this field is Dr. Rick Hansen, and he's done a ton of research. He's a psychologist, and uh, you can find him at, at Rick Hansen. Uh, let me just check what his site is. It's, it's fascinating. RickHansen.net. And he sets out uh, three points that we can actually use to rewire our brain. And the first one is where we need to tune in to the positive things that are happening around us because a lot of times we don't even notice them, right? Great, awesome things happen, but we, they just go right over our head. Someone is really nice to you or you see, you see an admirable quality in yourself, you know, but you just don't clue into it. You, a flower's blooming, you walk right past it, all of that. So if we start to actively look for the good news and tune into it, that's the first step. But the second step is the really important thing where we need to savor the experience. We need to make our positive experiences last by staying with them for a few seconds, like 5, 10, or 20 seconds. Don't let our attention skitter off to something else. Research by Mark Lewis at the University of Toronto found that the longer something's held in our awareness and the more emotionally stimulating it is, the more the neurons fire and wire together. Now, you know, it's, I think, uh, I forget which one of you guys talked about the 
you know, the negative really sticks in our brain. Our brain's like um, Velcro for negative experiences. And when we feel that negativity, that's when it's going to really wire into our brain when we have the emotion behind it and we keep thinking about it. But because the positive just kind of wafts away, um, oftentimes we don't rewire our brain for the positive because we don't dwell on it as much. So we need to make an effort to hold those good feelings inside for about, you know, a few seconds at least. And then the third step, is to just really let that positive experience really sink in deeply into our mind and our body. So we want to tune in to what's going on for the good, like intentionally pay attention to it, and then savor that experience and then let it really sink in. So that's one way that we can rewire our brain to actually be happier. And I think that awareness, that concept of you can actually change your brain by doing these activities, you can actually change your brain is really powerful message. Um, it's obviously not going to be enough to get everyone to do it, but it's certainly motivation to think that if you take these steps, you are changing your brain. And that is incredibly powerful that's come out of the last you know, 10 years of research. Would you not agree? Yeah, it's very, very exciting. I tell people it's like our brain is like a Trans-Canada Highway, and everything we think or say has to travel down this pathway in our brain, and if we keep traveling down it, we can strengthen it and make it into a bigger and bigger highway instead of a bumpy little goat path. And um, if we don't focus on, on the positive, then it, we're just left with this little goat path. Yes, which are, that is no fun. That is a no fun way of living. My question to people just to think about is, is that positioning question that we usually ask at the beginning of the show, but is just it's like, who am I and who is it that I want to be? And so when you think about the who I want to be in the world and how you experience the world yourself, but how other people around you experience the world as a result of how you exist in the world. So if you're walking through the world in this sort of state of not excitement about anything and very mediocre and going down the goat path of life versus being on that big Trans-Canada Highway and being excited about the simple things like the flowers that you see exactly, Donna, or the birds that are chirping outside your window. Um, and we often joke about, you know, the crows cawing outside of our window and getting the gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> we we savor that, that too. It's just the, uh, but it's like finding appreciation in those moments. So I think that's wonderful, and just would encourage people to actually check out Dr. Hansen's um, yeah. uh, site. That'd be fantastic. So yeah, so Don, very cool. Yeah, and and so just wondering, um, you've also talked about three steps that you have found uh, to age vibrantly, and just. We only have a couple of minutes till break, but maybe you could kind of give us a taste of, of what those might be. Sure, I'll just quickly outline them. And these are, as I said, these steps to age vibrantly are the exact same steps we need to take to increase our personal happiness set point. And that is the importance of really looking after your physical being, which you talked a lot about yourself, Leah, through daily physical activity and reasonable nutrition. Second would be social connection, and the third would be an emotional commitment. Because as we get older, we need to really build that whole package, and it's really too easy to um, shift into a more isolated lifestyle. So those are three things that will both help us to feel so much better and, and age much better as well. 
Yeah, and we'll get into those in, in more detail um, after the break. I, I have an interesting story that came from my clinical practice when one afternoon I saw two guys back-to-back, both in the early stages of cognitive decline. Um, Joe, who came in first, was actually physically, you know, mental, um, from a neurological point of view, in better shape. But his life was miserable. And Fred, who came in after him, he was actually worse off neurologically, but his life was awesome because he had fantastic support and he had a great attitude. And you looked at these two people and said, if you looked at their neurology, you know, Joe should be doing a whole lot better, but he really wasn't. And it was a wonderful demonstration for me, a live demonstration of how that, your attitude and the support you have just can make an enormous difference, even when you are already compromised in, in some way, perhaps especially when you're compromised in some way. So yeah. this is really, really powerful stuff, and it's something that we, we all need to, to really take to heart. So when we come back, Donna, I hope you're going to get into a bit more detail into how we can adopt these, adopt these lifestyle changes because it means so much to us and our quality of life. So um, we will get to that after the break. And before we have the break, I just like Lee and I would like to give a big shout out to uh, the hundreds of fans who've been downloading our show. We're, we're really excited that we have such a good following and we hope we will keep you entertained and informed with our inspiration, insight and intelligence on Master Your Life. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. go through all kinds of challenges in life. How we deal with them is a different story. If we carry them on our shoulders, we can experience health problems, relationship issues, and other negative aspects these challenges can pose. Jeanette Abney's Precious Predicaments is here to help you pick up and sort out the pieces through education and encouragement. You don't have to live in fear and pain. Let's find solutions together. Precious Predicaments is heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. And welcome back to Master Your Life. Today, our guest is Dr. Donna MacArthur, and she's here today to talk about how to not act our age, uh, habits and health and happiness. Uh, So, Donna, right before the break, we were talking about lifestyle behaviors. Um, Behaviors are something that we actually can control. And so what are these kind of lifestyle behaviors that help us to age vibrantly? Just Can we get into the details of those a little bit more? You betcha. So the first one, of course, is physical activity, daily physical activity. And the thing is, is I think everyone knows they need to have daily physical activity, but most people don't do it. And I know that's been really highly discussed here on this program. And, and a lot of people don't understand why it's so important. You know, we've, there are new research is showing that sitting is the new smoking. Uh, sitting is, is showing to be as detrimental or more so for our health than smoking. And the reason is because of our DNA, basically. The thing is, our body hasn't changed in the last 40,000 years. Our human DNA is exactly the same as it was when we were running away from the saber-toothed tiger. But our lives in no way resemble that of our ancestors. And we have choices and luxuries in our modern life that just don't have a parallel in our biology because our biology is meant to be out hunting and gathering and moving around constantly. And Mm -hmm. that's the reason that we need to be moving much more than we do is because we have this, this genetic system that we've been, the cards that we've been dealt that are made to move. And when we stop moving, everything fluctuates. Like, what, what do you think of when, um, what, what do you think our body or our brain thinks when we stop moving, we start to gain weight, and we just slow right down? Well, the only time in history that that happened was when we were going to hibernate, right? So then our, our cardiovascular physiology changes, our brain chemistry changes, we start to flatline in our culture, we call that depression, and that's just a symptom of our lifestyle because we're slowing down and not moving. So movement is the very first thing that's uh, really important for aging as well as just living a happier life. And in terms of the types of movement and activity, do you have any particular preferences um, for different sorts of uh, activity? What, what, what level of activity should it be, ideally? Well, I mean, ideally, as we get older, so I'll use, uh, say, approximately 50 plus, it, it, it should be some pretty hardcore exercise. Six days a week is what they're calling for now. Um, but they say that approximately at about 30 years old is when we start to age. So that's when we really should be kicking it up a notch. But realistically, you know, I tell my patients they, they need to do whatever they love to do and whatever they will do, whatever they will commit to do. And it can look like any form. But, you know, if we broke it down, um, the number one cause of aging has been shown to be muscle loss. And you can see it in the elders around you. You know, you look at the first thing, when you look at someone and you think, wow, they're really old, usually it's because they have trouble getting up out of their chair and they're frail. And that frailty comes from uh, loss of muscle. 
Yes, and maybe I'll just weigh in on this one with a little bit of expertise, because um, I'm for, I was a, a fitness instructor and a personal trainer for uh, over 30 years. So uh, if people are looking for resources about actually um, the amount of exercise to do or what types, especially if people are dealing with aging, with injury, um, a great resource is Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Body. Yeah, and, very and that, good. That's actually, yeah, and because he talks about minimal effect uh, dose of of exercise. So it's MED is the acronym, and it's just uh, so that people aren't thinking when you say you got to hit it really hard, that becomes very overwhelming for people. There's exactly. very simple... Um, exercises that are focused that can help you to gain muscle way more quickly than you would ever imagine. So again, I'll just mention that's Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Body. And basically what he's done is he has interviewed every expert in the world uh, on exercise and nutrition at, at all and other areas, subject matter areas. But if you um, want to take a look at his stuff, it really just boils things down to such an easy um, reader easy way of of uh, applying the information plus there's information for what I like to call myself which is a geek um, so if you want more kind of information about research around that and uh, stats to back up what he's promoting it's a great it's a great resource so not to take us too far off topic and and the expert that we have in the room so <laughs> so getting back to kind of physical what what's the next thing after physical activity that is the well, oh, in the physical realm, it would be nutrition and mm-hmm. um, just looking at, at reasonable nutrition, which Scott talked, you know, did a great job talking about, and, and so did you, Leah. I don't really need to add much to that. Um, I think, you know, one thing I could suggest is, is just never go on a diet again. You know, dieting has been shown decades of research showing that dieting is just really bad for you. And overall, we are better to carry a few extra pounds and be fit than to be skinny and fat. The the skinny fat, which if you're not aware of what that is, it's just people who they might look skinny, but they are inside their biological markers are horrible because they don't eat or they eat very, very poorly. So, um, and then just the yo-yoing, um, losing weight and then gaining it back is very, very bad for us. So we want to really focus on just general healthy eating uh, and get off those diets. Um, I could elaborate, but I think in the nature of time, it's been very well discussed in this program prior to this week. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I'm impressed with this notion of toxicity is that if you eat a lot of junk food, just think about the impact on your body of putting, you know, effectively toxins in your body three times a day, every day. You know, it's going to add up. It's going to make a huge difference. And that's why yeah. nutrition, I think, is so, so important. Okay, so we got exercise, nutrition. What else have we got, Donna? Well, uh, the, another really important thing is emotional commitment. And um, uh, emotional commitment is, is on so many levels. I mean, the need to stay connected to, to other people and the need for social connection. And social connection, actually, those are two separate ones, uh, two, two, two of the three. So we have physical, looking after your physical self. And the second thing would be social connection, which if we boil it right down, the scientific research shows that social connection is the most important thing because 
um, we're, we are hardwired as humans to be uh, to run in tribes and to run as a group. But ultimately, we can't really be socially connected if we're not connected to ourselves. And being connected to ourselves is comes down to paying attention to who you are and what's important. And um, there's lots of different ways that we can do that. I recommend that people start to simply take a few minutes every day and just kind of tune in to, you know, what's going on for them and, you know, what direction that they want to go. And and the third one that I'll just briefly talk about is is emotional commitment. And I think it ties in really well with social connection. But emotional commitment is about living a life of purpose. Um, according to Victor Stretcher, he's a behavioral scientist at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. He wrote a new book called The Life on Purpose, and he talks about the strengths of one's life purpose, which involve a combination of living according to your values and goals and striving to make a difference in the world, can be measured and they correlate highly with psychological wellness and markers of physical health and longevity. They found for every point on a six-point scale measuring life purpose, adults' uh, risk of heart disease had a 27% decrease for each point if they had a life purpose. Now, that whole concept can get a little bit tricky because, you know, when I talk to audiences, sometimes they'll come up to me afterwards and they'll say, but I don't have a a life purpose, this deep burning desire. And, And that seems foreign to me because I personally have always had a life purpose to become a chiropractor and a mom and now to develop um, a, a teaching business. And so when people don't have a life purpose, it's like, whoa. But I recently heard Elizabeth Gilbert, the renowned author of Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic, talk about this exact thing. And she said that some people are jackhammers like me and like Leah, um, where we, and like you, I think, Howard, having listened to your interview, um, you know what you want and you just go for it. But other people are like hummingbirds and they kind of will cross-pollinate and flit around from one one thing to another to another. And that's great. That's totally great for them. They might not have this driving life purpose, but they, they, they need to realize that that's okay and they can be happy and they're contributing doing what they're doing. So... Anyway, sorry, that was a bit of a rambly uh, answer, but the the emotional commitment and social connection are very important, and we can get that in many different ways. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's absolutely absolutely spot on. You're absolutely right about that. And the research that I'm aware of and some of the stuff I've written um, for myself and other people certainly shows that social connection is way more important than people give it credit for. Um, and even though I'm uh, even though I'm not yet thirty, so I don't really qualify for this. I do. I, 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 I do have a ninety-five-year-old mother-in-law. And um, she, um, we moved her into an assisted living place where her access to other people was vastly improved. And I have to tell you, a huge, huge difference in that woman. Absolutely huge. Because now she can have a social connection with a lot of people, not just an aide who would come to her, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, me and my wife would go visit her. That was astounding to me, the difference when she had social access and was able to resume interaction again. It's so critical. 
Yeah, I think that's a great example. And Donna, I just want to pick up on the the jackhammers and the hummingbirds. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how it is in your families. I know in my family, though, my mom is a hummingbird. And so to have a jackhammer as a daughter has been a little bit of a trial for her. Uh, and and uh, she and now I think she appreciates, you know, kind of my drive. But I watch how many people she has effectively helped um by having her, like she's just such a high contributor to everything around her and is right. that sprinkling, sprinkling things around. What's it like in your family, Donna? Do you, do you find you're different than some others in your family? Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, my brother is both, I think, mm-hmm. and my my dad is a hummingbird and I think my mom mm-hmm. is, is a bit of both. Um and I had never heard them described in those terms before, but I did really like that. And I think mm-hmm. it, it will hopefully help people who don't have that huge goal, uh, that goal-oriented personality to feel better because there's, you know, it takes all kinds to make up our world or our families. And, uh, and that's okay. Yes, and I think that whole comes back to your whole um, talking about how self-aware people are or taking that moment to appreciate themselves and to develop self-awareness and then like can you just describe do you think there's a difference between self-awareness and intuition or being intuitive um well i think they probably blend together i think that um that we we all are intuitive uh just a lot of people choose to ignore that and i think that as you grow your self-awareness you likely become uh, more intuitive i tell people that, that your intuition is the connection between your deep inner self and the world around you that's all that your intuition is and and we all have that it's not some new age airy fairy thing it's 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 a trait that we that exists inside of us and as we start to become more self-aware and pay attention to that our intuition can grow and the thing is is a lot of people choose not to listen to their intuition because it tends to lead us on the harder path. It does not allow us to sit back on the couch eating Doritos, right? It wants us to get up and, and do that hard thing. Damn and so we intuition. ignore it. What? <laughs> I, I think there's an interesting point, though, about you, people who know their purpose and people who don't. I, I think for a lot of people, they think if you ask them their purpose, they've got to say something like, well, cure cancer or solve the Middle East peace problem. Mm. Um, whereas, in fact, mm. if you ask them, you know, there are people who say, I love helping people. That's who I am. And they don't really necessarily tie that to a purpose. Perhaps it's that word. But that's really what we're talking about. And so when we talk about that, when we talk about purpose and values, it's, it's not necessarily your job or your career. It's who you are as a person, as, as we like to say on this show. Who do you want to be? Um, and, and that's also relevant, I think, to this issue of aging, Donna, because I'm sure, like me, you've seen people in retirement who come to you and they're checking things off their bucket list. They're doing things, but they're still not fully satisfied and not totally happy. And perhaps the orientation is wrong there. Yeah, and, and that's fascinating. And I've, I have thought a lot about that. And I've seen that as well in my own practice. And you know, sometimes I, this is just my own take on it, that I think that those hummingbirds might overall be happier than the jackhammers. Not always, 
But, you know, if people can accept that, that they're flitting around, I, that's a bad word, I'm sorry, but if they're um, going from one thing to another, being in service and being helpful um, throughout, you know, their day, then that might give them greater overall happiness than than that pursuit of the goal. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't really given that enough thought, but uh, I know what you mean when you say that you have people who are checking things off their list, but they don't really seem happy. I think that comes back to it takes a lot of work and effort to increase your happiness set point. And we can do it, but you have to you know, put put some effort into it and focus on being happier, whether it's by adopting these lifestyle choices or by uh, doing the work that Dr. Rick Hansen says where when we have a positive experience, we actually dive into it and allow our brain to rewire it. It's not easy to rewire your brain, so it takes some work. And I think a lot of times... Those people don't put in the effort. I mean, the the number the I've said the number one cause of aging is muscle loss. The number one side effect of aging is being grumpy and irritable, and that's because most of us don't work that it takes to stay happy. Right, and so that's wonderful. Is <laughs> the grumpiness, and it's funny too. That it's like the social groups that we choose to be around. Uh, just so much of this is like a big jigsaw puzzle as we build our lives towards mastery and bringing in more and more of the good stuff into our lives so that not only can we age gracefully, we can age well and we can effectively um, help the people who are around us to age well and gracefully also. So after the break, what we're going to get into with Dr. Donna is vibrant aging and how do we make that emotional commitment to do that and what exactly does it mean when we say that we're stepping into this third step in vibrant aging. So right after the break, we'll hear more from Dr. Donna. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week, she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are, or if you even have no faith, you are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back. Today we're with uh, Dr. Donna MacArthur and we're talking about how to not act our age uh, with health, happiness and great habits. Uh, So right before the break we were talking about intuition and Donna, I would just like to hear a little bit more about um, how do you know if you're hearing your intuition? Well, I usually tell people that it's a a good place to start is in your body, that our body usually doesn't lie. Um, because our body can kind of recognize what's going on with us right down to the cellular level. So the first primary easiest way is is by that gut feeling of, you know, if, if you're feeling something in your gut, then chances are y- y- you're probably right. You know, it's like how you can walk into a crowded room and know something's wrong before mm-hmm. you actually find out what's wrong. They, the, the research is showing that we actually have three thinking brains now, um, our brain in our head, our heart, and our gut. And our gut can sometimes act independently of the rest of our body. And I think the research we're going to see coming out in the next few years around our gut, uh, both physiologically, how it works and what it, how it um, can make us healthy or sick, as well as um, psychologically, is going to be fascinating. That's just something that I get very excited about. So... The gut feeling is one way, and I, I think another way uh, that, that is fascinating is the voice inside your head. So if you hear something, and it's sort of like it drops in out of the blue, or it's like this, you ask yourself a question, and it's this thought that comes before you start to think, that is, can also be your intuition guiding you in the right direction. So I tell people, start by listening to your body. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, many years ago, I had my marquee client, you know, which is the client that a professional has that really shapes um, their thinking about something. And this was a client who, at the time, had what was then um, diagnosed as multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. and had many alter egos. And what was interesting was, as as she was talking or interacting, you could see her responding to if you like intuition or a feeling or a gut response or what have you. But I knew that that was really an alter ego that was talking to her. And that alter ego also had uh, their own issues, obviously. And so it's very fascinating to see the fragmentation of the mind like that and how what she thought was sensing an intuition was really just another part of her who was, which was just as traumatized as she was. And, th- and this has made me wonder about intuition. I totally agree that there's, there's parts of normally functioning. There's parts of us where we do have this sense, wherever it comes from. But I think also there are times when we are locking into some of our own unconscious neuroses or fears, if you want. And I think that's where we have to be careful about just accepting, oh, well, I've just got this feeling. I'm going to go do it, this. Uh, I think it's more subtle than that. So is that when, Howard, it would be important to have a good uh, social and emotional structure of people around you to kind of bounce your intuition off of? 
<laughs> so, so if you well, have a great idea or a great intuitive thought that you would bring it to your you know, partner in life or to your friends and to share so that they could say, yeah, that's, that seems you know, reasonable and like a good idea, or they may be able to guide you to some other um, direction. Well, I think always it's valuable to get a reality check. Is I guess mm-hmm. is get, I guess is what I'm saying. And certainly, right. yeah, that would be. And of course, I am talking about extreme pathology with this case. Mm-hmm. So that's a little different from you know the everyday uh, person who doesn't have that problem. But it was just very in- interesting to see how that mind worked and to be able to say, I know which alter ego is putting that thought in this person's head. I mean, it was fast, fast, and physical symptoms too. I mean, this, this person would show up with a migraine and say, you know, Dr. Rankin, I, I can't get rid of this migraine. I've tried four days. I would know which alter ego that was who had the migraine, and I would be able to, using sort of hypnotic methods, get rid of it. She would come around like five minutes later and say, oh, my God, what happened to my migraine? It's gone. And so it's just a very fascinating insight to how these different sides to us can manifest in these various feelings. That is amazing, hey? That is, yeah, that's yeah. really fascinating. I think when you're talking about, um, you know, g- getting uh, getting real, like getting, you know, just focusing on, I forget your exact words, but focusing on reality and, and what, you know, having that support system to get real. One way for the majority of the population to, to try this, I think, might be, um, you know, if, if you have a gut instinct, uh, to it, that you choose to go with to pay attention to that and 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 that's I think the ultimate key that sometimes people with pathology probably aren't able to do I don't know but um, for the rest of us to pay attention to the outcome because often I feel that if it truly is your your higher power and your your in your higher intuition you're going to be led in the right direction even if it's hard at the time and. If you pay attention to that and, and you're like, okay, well, I really didn't want to do that, but I did, and it worked out great, and then you see it again, oh, I followed my hunch, and it worked out again, then you, you start to see, okay, th- this is working for me, whereas you're like, oh, I followed that, and that, that, that was just got bungled up, you know, um, just trying to discern you know, which voice is talking to you. And when I say which voice, I don't mean like a a pathology, like you're helping your patients with Howard. I mean like our our own personal little voices that are, um, well, I would use the word normal. I don't know if there is such a thing. Well, I think the difference there is that in in this pathological state, um, there's really fragmentation. Think without that pathology, that normal person, we do have a sense of where these things are coming from, and and I think it's quite different. Um, but you certainly still need to listen to it, and you need to work on it mm-hmm. for sure. And I think that the good, you know, kind of piece we've mentioned Scott Walker's show a couple of times here. That Scott Inside Out, um, his episode where um, he talked about. Um, having his psychotic, um, you know, incident. And so this, it doesn't necessarily have to be a pathology that's like a life uh, sentence or a life term or um, problem or a lifelong problem. Um, but it is good for our audience to kind of have the breadth. And sometimes these things are intuitive and these are the ways you would recognize that. And also to have the insight of going, and if it's not quite on side, you know, make sure that you are checking yourself out because that's also life mastery, which is what this show is really about. And, yeah. And, and honoring all those sides of us, whether they're well or they're unwell, because our quest is, of course, to continue to be well. And sometimes there's health challenges that we go through in life. Um, 
that really are these like shadow initiations to the better parts of ourself and uh, better parts of ourselves sometimes being, um, you know, recognizing that these voices that we're hearing are not intu- on, not intuitive and that they, and then sometimes that they are. So yeah. uh, I think that's just kind of the natural progression of life. And we, of course, would wish that no one would ever have any kind of pathological um, issues. However, they are quite, I think, a lot more normal than what we, we don't want people to talk about mental um, illness or those things because it's such a brand um, but it's the reality for some people. So um, I just think it's great to have both both perspectives here on this show and such a level of expertise. I, I just really appreciate that from both of you. Yeah, it's interesting to get all the different outlooks for sure. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how you coach your clients, uh, Donna, and what you do with them, you know, what are some of the tools that, that, that you use to help them be more aware, to choose um, happiness? What, what, what are some of the practical things that you get them to do? Well, um, the, I think the very first thing I always encourage people to do is to spend some time on their own quietly, uh, either writing or thinking, uh, meditating, praying, what, whatever they want to do, or, or reading some something uplifting, but just to try to focus on themselves and what's truly important to them, because I think that's something that, that the contemplative life is, is lost often in our culture. So that's one of the most important things is just really tuning into yourself and paying attention. And if we don't actively try to make that happen, uh, it often doesn't happen because life is just so busy. Um, another fun thing that I often teach people is, uh, you know, when we're talking about changing our brain, you know, as, a, as it has been discussed so often on this program, changing our brain and our neurology through using neuroplasticity where we physically create new neural pathways. That, I think, seems um, obscure and foreign to most people because it's like, wow, you know, that's, I can't do that. And actually, you can do that. Anyone can create new pathways, and we're doing that all the time by the things that are influencing us. So... Um, one thing I teach is called the yellow sticky technique, which is a fun, a fun way to create a new pathway. And um, this would be my four-minute miracle that people could try doing at home. And I did this uh, years and years ago, like 25 years ago, when I was a chiropractic student, way before any of this research on the brain became available. I didn't know any of this. But I was writing my uh, Canadian and American national board exams. And back then, I don't know if it's still like this, but back then the Canadian board exams were the hardest in the world. There were five days of exams uh, based on everything you'd ever learned in your entire education. So that included your science undergrad degree. And uh, they're testing you on everything. And if you didn't pass, uh, you you could write one more time, and if you failed, you weren't getting a license in Canada. So the stakes were very, very high, and I was totally paralyzed with fear. Honestly, I was just a basket case. So what I did was I wrote a little saying, a little mantra on my study board and in my binders, in my textbooks, um, on little yellow stickies. 
in my bathroom, and I put these yellow stickies all over my life. Uh, so, and it just had this little saying, which was, everything I need to know will be revealed to me. So every time I would see the yellow sticky, I would read it. And because I had them all over, I ended up reading it, you know, hundreds of times a day. Well, after a couple of weeks, I didn't need the yellow stickies anymore. So I took the yellow stickies down, and I would just call that thought to mind. I would call that saying to mind frequently, very, very frequently, hundreds of times a day. And shockingly, what ended up happening was... After another couple of weeks, I no longer needed to think of those words. Every time my brain was quiet, those words, that saying, immediately popped into my brain. I could literally be in conversation with someone, and you know how there will be a little bit of a lull, just a millisecond lull? That's those words, everything I need to know will be revealed to me, will pop in, would pop into my mind. And now, 25 years later... I still hold those words in that context deeply, deeply ingrained in my brain. And I can say for sure that those words in that context did not exist in my brain before I started doing that. And I didn't set out to create a new pathway in my brain, but that, that is an example of I created a, a very strong, healthy pathway in my brain that did not exist before I did that. Now, did that help me be happier? No, because I was in hell at the time. I was going through one of the hardest times of my life getting through those board exams. But I did pass all of my board exams on the very first try, one of the very few people in my class to do so. And was it because of this? Well, we have no way of knowing. But the thing is, is that every single time I read those words or I said them in my brain or said them in my mind, I had a millisecond of ease, this millisecond of it's going to be okay. And so that's an excellent way to create a new brain pathway and anyone can do it. It's fascinating. There are many things about that, actually, that I think are really important. Um, one of the things is, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. And yeah. the fact is, people say, oh, I can't be bothered to do that. Look, whatever you are doing, you're training your brain, right? Yeah. If you are sitting around, as you said, eating Doritos or whatever you're doing, you are training your brain. So it's going to happen by default. What you're talking about is taking charge, taking the mindset and doing the things and training it to be the way which would be the most maximally beneficial to you. And I think it's great. And, you know, there's a, one, there's a lot of literature you know, now on how words resonate in different parts of the brain. So those words that were just words on a sticky note really became something a whole lot more meaningful yeah. to you as well as automatic, right? I mean, yeah, automatic exactly. and meaningful, yeah. Um, before we go, um, Darlene, it's been great having you on the show. Is there, is there a website where people can find out um, more about you? Uh, yeah, my website is uh, Dr. Donna, D-R-D-O-N-N-A uh, dot C-A. Okay, and again, thank you so much. It's been a real privilege to talk with you and have you share your, your great wisdom about many things. So thank you so much. Yes, for, thank uh, you so much for having yes, me. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for the whole show in general. It's, it's really fantastic. All your guests have been amazing. Well, thank, yes, you, thank and you. We hope 
thank you so much, and, and, and we think so too, including you, of course, mm. and we hope that uh, next week our guest, Dr. Laurie Mastrogianis, who is a psychologist, um, who's had her own journey and trials and tribulations, but also has a program for wellness that she calls Stars of Wellness. She'll be with us uh, next week to talk about her take on how to master your life and give us some more inspiration, insight, and intelligence. And again, thank you so much, Donna, for today's show. Leah, any last words for you in the last few seconds? No, I just think that uh, I'm just grateful for everyone that's been tuning in and looking forward to next week's guest. Thanks again, Howard. Okay, you're welcome. We'll see you next time. And again, thank you, Donna, so much. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.